What is up, everyone? I am so happy that you are listening to episode two of season two of the best of the best, Maverick's Guide to Success. I am your host, Maverick Levy, and I just want to say it again. I know I said it on episode one, but I couldn't be more excited to be back behind the microphone, talking to all of you, being able to interview some of the best of the best in each industry for a few different reasons. Number one, I get to learn myself about whatever the topic is that I'm interviewing someone about. But number two, I get to talk to the best of the best individuals for what they do for a living, for what their passion is, for what they know best. And I get to really understand who they are as a person. I, of course, do my due diligence on them beforehand, but I'm able to talk to them. I'm able to speak with them. I'm able to interact with them, even though sometimes it's virtual, as this interview is that you're going to hear. But it's always awesome to really get to know these people, really hear about what they do and really hear the passion in their voice. So with that being said, I thank you for listening to this show because you make it possible for this show to happen. But number two, I'm glad that you came to learn. That shows that you're a leader. I'm glad that you came to listen. That shows that you're a leader. You're trying to better yourself. You're trying to help others. That's what leadership is all about. That's what this show is all about. A few things before we get into today's interview. You know I always like to mention the website and the social media for the podcast. The website is cool because you can really interact with the podcast on a deeper level, right? You can go there, you can scroll around, you can see the guests that are coming on the show. The website is tbotbpod.com. The social media is also cool for the same reason you interact on a deeper level. We're going to be way more interactive this season on social media than we were in seasons past. So check out the social media pages at tbotbpod. You can find the social media pages for the podcast on pretty much every single platform, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much every single one that's popular. You can find us there. And I also want to give a shout out, of course, to DB Podcast for producing this podcast. They are the best of the best. And I also want to give one last shout out to the best of the best network. The network is created to give you all a source where you can listen to people that are the best in their industry, talk about what they know best, do a deeper dive into what they do best. And you're really able to learn certain things on a deeper level than I could interview them with. So the best of the best network. We've been working on it for a long time. The ball is finally rolling on it. We have a few shows. I don't know if those shows will be out when you listen to this. They might, they might not, depending on timing of things. But nonetheless, I'm super excited for it. Now, let's get into the disclaimer. Please remember everyone, the discussions on this podcast are for informational purposes only. I cannot predict and do not guarantee that you will attain a particular result from the information provided. You should always seek professional assistance before making decisions in connection with the topics discussed. Now, without further ado, please, please get ready for this interview because it's a special one and you can really learn a lot from it. It's a pretty deep discussion, so make sure you're not distracted, make sure you're focused in, and let's get right into this week's interview. 
On today's episode of The Best of the Best, I would like to welcome someone that has been a close friend to me, has been someone that I've looked up to, is a leader in everything he does. His name is Yarden Blumstein. He's a rabbi. He wears many different hats in what he does, but mostly he's part of some nonprofits, some really cool organizations that we're going to talk about on the show. But before I go any further, I would like to welcome Yarden to the show. Welcome, Yarden. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. This is really exciting. I'm excited to get to sit down virtually because Yarden's in Michigan and I'm in Florida, but to sit down and talk to you because Yarden and I have a long history. I think I've known you for how long? Seven, eight, nine years, I think. Yeah, I think we're going on nine years, maybe 10 years, honestly, because I think I was coming to you a year before my bar mitzvah, so I was 12. So maybe 10 or 11 years I've known you, but Yarden does many different things in the Metro Detroit area. So I would like you, Yarden, for the first few minutes of this interview to just go over what you do, you know, what your days look like, what you do and sort of what your goals are and who you are so the listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, thank you for that. Time flies. Wow. If you would have said 10, 11 years, I don't know that that would have been the you know, it feels like it was just yesterday we were meeting and hanging out. And you're right, it's been quite a long, awesome time. Some of the things that I do in the community, I work at Friendship Circle, where I get to engage teens in meaningful relationships. And that looks like getting them to volunteer with people and children with special needs. Like, for example, we have a camp coming up and getting people to volunteer and give time of break to be of service and to build meaningful relationships. I also am involved and oversee a mental health program that got started to help teens called You Matter about instilling self-worth and self-value. I've been involved in a couple different schools in town, helping out with education, connection, filling in. And then I've done different work in a variety of schools across the area and some youth groups helping out, volunteering, and ultimately just trying to be involved in the teen community, help build a teen community that has value, meaning, and connection. Yeah, so if you are a teenager, Jewish or not Jewish, just because Yarden is a rabbi, but Jewish or not Jewish, and you grew up in the Metro Detroit area, you most likely know who Yarden is. He's involved everywhere. He's involved with everything. And everyone loves Yarden. He has a heart of gold. He's the type of person where you could call him day or night from 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. And you know Yarden's going to pick up the phone and Yarden's going to be there if you need him to. He's just that type of person. And so, Yarden, why don't we start with Friendship Circle? Because that's where I met you. And to give sort of, I guess, a volunteer perspective of what Friendship Circle is, Friendship Circle is this amazing place, this amazing organization that you go to as a teenager, and you're able to connect one-on-one with people that have disabilities, more so of the younger age. There are some older people there, but more so of the younger age. And you connect with them, and you hang out, you run around, you play sports, you play board games, you do arts and crafts, but it's about an hour, hour and a half of your time. And I was going either once a week or twice a week, and you would just be able to really connect and just put a smile on these kids' faces to be able to do these certain types of activities, whether it was cooking, whatever it was, I've listed off a ton, but now you sort of start to understand what this type of place is. But Yarden, can you give the background about Friendship Circle, how it started, what it is today, and what's the area downstairs? What is that place called? I, I'm drawing a blank on the name of it. For sure. The village downstairs. Yeah. So 
Go into all that if you could. For sure. Friendship circle, it's actually interesting because a lot of times, you know, I think within nonprofits and in companies, we're told to understand our mission and understand the mission statement. And a lot of times I refer back to Friendship Circle's history to understand what the mission is today and what we're trying to accomplish and how we're going to do that. And Friendship Circle was founded in 1994 when a young man in our area passed away from drug overdose. And his family reached out and said, we need different types of supports in our community to help people struggling with isolation. And one of the things we want to add is friendship. So they hired someone named Rabbi Levi Shemtov to be a friend to individuals struggling with isolation due to addiction. And he got very involved in an adult crisis community building support and helping just to be there, to be a friend. His wife, Basi, got involved and said there's other communities that are isolated, namely special needs. So she jumped right in and created what now we know as Friendship Circle. Today, there's over 100 Friendship Circles around the world, and they all follow the same framework of engaging and creating a home for people with special needs through friendship. We primarily do it through teenage volunteers. And that's how I joined the picture about 12 years ago. They were looking for a teen coordinator, a teen director to get involved and help recruit teens, maintain teen relationships and oversee the teen volunteer core. So I got involved and and got teens to volunteer. But ultimately when I get to show up to work every day, I get to think about that mission, which is providing community, friendship, and support to people in isolation. And whether that's people with special needs, whether it's a struggling teen or a senior citizen, or whether it's someone struggling with addiction or any other life crisis, how can I offer community, friendship, and support? And talking about the village or some of the programs we have, we try to create programming that fits those different methods. We do have a village, a model village, where we invite schools from the area to come learn different life skills. It actually has been shut down due to the pandemic, but just reopened about a month and a half, two months ago. And we're starting to be able to bring back in schools to do what we like to do, where some adults come and volunteer and staff this village, where students get to take real money and have a real experience from going to a store, to a nail salon, to watching a movie, grabbing a snack, etc. So it's about creating real experiences for people. Yeah, and I wish this podcast was visual because I wish we would be able to walk around and see what Friendship Circle is all about because it does hold a special place in my heart. And you know that it's the first time I was able to connect with some individuals and really see how far just an hour of my week can go to put a smile on someone else's face and how much it meant to them and their family. And you know what's funny, Yarden, to be honest with you, I didn't even know that that's how Friendship Circle was started due to someone passing of an overdose and just sort of being a place where isolated people can have somewhere to go. I didn't know that that was the first step of Friendship Circle and then it sort of transitioned into something else. But it's always been a place where you hang out there, people are there for hours on end, everyone's always kind, everyone's always friendly. And I think we need more of that in today's world, in today's society especially. But I wanna talk about for a second one of the other organizations and nonprofits that you talked about and you brought up dealing with sort of mental health called You Matter. And before we get into it, I really want you all to focus in on this part of the episode because, Yarden, just so you know, a lot of the listeners of this show are of a younger generation. They're not so much in their teenage years. We definitely have some teenage listeners that DM and reach out on the Instagram for the podcast, and I can just sort of tell that they are of that younger age in their teenage years, but more so in the 20 to 30 range. 
And I think this part, though, is especially important to listen to, to hear the changes that are happening in society with mental health. I think that sort of my generation was the first generation to sort of start talking about these mental health issues at a level that was respectable and a level that it was okay to talk about. I think a few years before me, it was sort of pushed under the rug still and it wasn't coming to fruition as much as it should have been and making it okay for people to talk to each other. So why don't you talk about You Matter for a second, what it means, what your role is there. And then I want to dive into a deeper conversation about teen mental health in today's age and society. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's so interesting being able to get be on a podcast with you asking me about Friendship Circle when you're almost as much an expert at Friendship Circle as I am. I think we almost have the same stretch of time here. So it's like nostalgic, fun, and a great throwback. <laughs> you Matter was started, and like you mentioned, we're seeing a transition of mental health across the framework, uh, across the world, across the U.S., and really, there's different viewpoints and opinions about how we got to where we got to. And I like to focus more on where we're at rather than what's contributing to it. Like people always ask, what's getting us where we're at? And there's so much ideology. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's a lot of people who are in dangerous spots or a lot of people that are struggling or a lot of people that feel that no one cares about them. Just to give you conceptually, one of the local high schools here just did a survey of their students and they got back an extensive amount of response. And about a quarter of the students, and you're talking about thousands of students that filled this out, about a quarter of the students said that they have absolutely no one to talk to when they're in a place of crisis. And that's concerning. It's concerning to know that a teen feels like there's no one that they can trust to talk to about what's going on inside their heads or inside their lives or anywhere else. If they were in a place of lack of safety, that they don't feel comfortable telling anyone. And I think that that is You Matter's goal, is to build community, friendship, and support. One of the things I like about the way it's built is it's not really about You Matter. It's not really about the program that was created. It's not really about, you know, saying, look at this great program, get involved or join. It's more about what are you going to do today to help keep yourself safe or what are you going to do today to help support someone else? And that is the double message behind the name You Matter. The first message is obvious. You matter unconditionally. It's about your inherent worth, your inherent value. It's not something you need to do to be good enough. You're already good enough. The second message is especially to the teen out there and our young adult population as well, where there's so much that you know about your friends that no one else knows. We know that what we see of our youth today is not even the tip of the iceberg, and they know so much about each other. So you matter in regards to your friend group, in regards to your social environment, and there's things you can do to save someone else's life or to help someone out. And it's upon you to step up and do that. So that's the theology behind You Matter. It translates into community programming and to support networks and into building resilience but ultimately it's about a mission of trying to establish a teen community that can support each other. And we obviously have this deeper rooted issue, which you brought up, everyone has their own opinion and their own views onto why this started or how this started or why the hell are we at this point now? But we definitely, I think anyone that can logically think and can logically reason with things in today's world can see that we do have an issue surrounding mental health, especially in those of a younger age with suicide rates going up and whatnot. And we're seeing this 
unfortunately, the sad trend of people, like you said, not having an outlet, not having people to talk to, which is actually kind of mind blowing when you think of it from the standpoint with how connected we are in today's world, right? Everyone is either watching people's stories on Snapchat, scrolling on Instagram, looking at someone's story on Instagram, commenting on a picture. We have more ways to connect with people than ever before in the world that we know and we live on. There's more ways to connect than ever before, but I think it's because the connection maybe isn't as real. But regardless of that point, Yarden, I think the question I would ask you is what can someone do, right? So the, that student that filled out the that survey, right? So let's single out some person now that filled out that survey that put, you know, I'm 15, 16, 13 years old, and I feel that I don't have a place to talk to someone when I'm feeling some sort of feelings, whatever that feeling may be. What can they do? Is you matter have a place that they can reach out to talk to someone? What can they do so they don't have to feel like that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the first thing is realizing that there are so many people that are available to support that person. You Matter definitely does have programming. We have teen support groups. They're called Teen Talks. We have a peer-to-peer program where we pair someone up. They can always reach out to me and I'll do what I can. But there's so many people in their lives that are available to be that person. And it's interesting because I was just in a school and we we're talking about the idea that... um You know, you go into any building and there's a fire plan. There's a fire drill. We practice that fire plan repeatedly. How do we get out of the building? What do you do in a moment of physical crisis? This is what you do. And yet we don't do emotional crisis training. We don't sit there and train people. By the way, when you shut down, these are some of the things you could do, or this is what's going to help you. And the problem is, is that then we expect a person especially a teen where they're already limited in their creative thoughts in regards to prefrontal cortex and some of the more defined thoughts that come with adulthood. And then they step into extreme state of stress. They step out of the higher functionings of their brain and we tell them, think with the most detailed parts of your brain and figure out how to solve this. And we need to pre-train that. We need to teach them how to do it. We need to teach them how to get a trusted adult in their lives. We need to teach and not just teens, you know, we have to teach a lot of people how to use the tools that will help us feel different and be safe. And like, you know, obviously one of the elephants in any mental health conversation room would be social media. You know, what is social media doing to us? But we also need to utilize social media to talk about not our perfect moments and how we got through them. We need to teach people through social media what solution looks like, how to handle failure and rejection, and what tools we use when we're not at our best so that people can start learning those things. That is something that I think everyone talks about. Social media is a highlight for someone's life. Don't compare your life to someone else on social media because they're only showing the good. They're not showing the bad. And I will be the first to stand up and say that I do that absolute thing because I think it's very hard socially to go and put on social media what you're having a bad day about, what you're struggling with, because I think people have this idea, and when I say people, I'm talking about myself as well, have this idea that I don't wanna share my faults. I don't wanna share the negativeness going on inside my head with others, but I think it's important that I personally and others that feel that way start and try to transition out of that mindset and into one where we can focus on for a little bit of time, you know, talking about why we're having a bad day or why you're feeling sad or why you're feeling alone or why you're feeling lonely. 
because all of those things are important to talk about at any age in your life. And something too that I find interesting that I would like to ask you is about the relationship with an adult and a teenager, because as I've stepped into the real world and I've been working in, you know, whether it's in my family's business or whether it's on little side projects and startups that I've been working on, I've gotten to see what a work environment can look like. And of course, you see the Googles, the Facebooks, the large corporations that have the wherewithal to allow for mental health days and to allow for team members to take those days off and focus on themselves. At the base level of things, the majority of America isn't powered or fueled by these large uh, organizations. It's more so the small business. That's why we always see a focus on small business because uh, a lot of the times in whatever region, those small businesses are, are fueling the economy. And so what I want to ask you, Yarden, is how can we try to repair or build the relationship between the adult and the teenager that is going through something, right? They see their child's going through something and maybe they don't want to face it. Maybe they want to sweep that on the rug and think that their kid is happy and think that everything's going to be okay. As an adult, what can they do to try and better the relationship with the teenager, whether that is their child, whether that is their niece, their nephew, their cousin, whoever that may be that they see is going through something to say, hey, I'm here, I can help. They don't want to have to feel like they're walking on eggshells, but how can they go about building that relationship with that person? Sure. That's a great question in so many different ways. And just touching upon that, I guess it boils down to what actually works. And you mentioned it in the idea that, you know, how many genuine relationships do we have these days versus how many like spread relationships are we having or how many social media framework relationships are we having? And a lot of us are looking for genuine connection. A lot of us are looking for real conversation, real dialogue. And it's also interesting that, you know, there's two approaches. There's a Band-Aid that's going to get us through today or taking the Advil to get through a migraine, whatever you want to say, the short-term approach. And then there's the long-term dealing with some of the deeper things, what's going on under the hood. And in the long-term approach, we're talking about inherent worth. We're talking about unconditional commitment. We're talking about investing in a person beyond what they're producing, which doesn't mean we put up with less than. It doesn't mean we you say that whatever they do is great. It means that when we're calling them out on their garbage, we also say it doesn't change the fact that I appreciate you, value, you know, you're still my friend or you're still a good dude. The work you produce isn't that great. And being able for them to differentiate that they're not the value of their work. They're not the value of what they're outputting. They're great already. They're important already. Now do the best job you can. Now challenge yourself. Now push yourself a little bit further than you're comfortable. And I think like you talk about in certain ways, the small business framework has an advantage there because there is real relationship that can exist. And therefore they can really set up a place where, hey buddy, you know, I care about you. I also am not going to accept this work. Like you need to push yourself. And we find is that one of the areas that help people long-term is creativity, is growing, is pushing themselves. When you talk about someone pushing themselves and someone growing, what instantly pops into my head is constructive criticism. And to be honest, I have no idea why that is, but it pops into my head because as a leader, as I am in certain organizations, 
I personally always feel like I am walking on eggshells when I need to give someone constructive criticism because I don't want them to think, well, I just did all this hard work and all this work is now for nothing because it's not up to the standards of my leadership team. It's not up to the standards that's making the executive decision if this is going to have the green light, the red light, or the yellow light. So when we put it in that framework for discussion, how can we shift back to this ideology of having it be okay to give constructive criticism in a way where it's not going to destroy someone's mental health or their confidence or their ability to still perform while under pressure? Because in the back of their head, they're sort of thinking, oh God, I messed this up the first time. Am I going to mess this up the second time? Is there a true way that we can get back on track with the ideology of it's okay to sometimes give constructive criticism if you do it respectfully, professionally, and in a way that, you know, is going to show that this is why you are getting constructive criticism. Yeah. It's again, an outstanding point and question, because first of all, we're seeing this framework shifting into everything about our society where, you know, we can't be genuine. And then there's frustration when there's no real sharing and everything's just kind of nice, but nothing's really producing what we needed to produce. And not only that, you talk about constructive criticism or difficult conversations, and as hard as they are, we all feel better afterwards. And you look at like the professional sports world, like if they all they do is pat each other on the back and be like, yeah, that was nice, you know, it wouldn't be worth watching. And there has to be tough conversations there because they're trying to get somewhere and you hope that they're not doing what we're seeing everywhere else. And I think ultimately there has to be a framework to have real dialogue and have real conversation. And in a certain way, the work world, the workforce is a great place. Cause like you talk about being a leader, you know, my job isn't just to make someone feel good. It's also to empower them to grow. And the question is, is am I complimenting your work? Cause I don't want to hear your negative feedback or am I complimenting your work? Cause I don't think you can do better, which is really insulting. In other words, I think this is your best production and it's not. And I talk about leadership all the time on the show. I don't know how often you've listened to the show or how many episodes you listen to, but I sort of always sign off every podcast by saying, always leading by example, but helping others along the way. That's what my definition is. That's how I look at it. And that's how I look at life. And I think you Yarden have emulated that so perfectly in what you do in your day-to-day -day life where you are a leader. You're helping others become leaders and you're a leader because you're helping others along the way. And so that's why I wanted to bring you on the show to talk about all these different things that you do in a community and you definitely fit more than 24 hours in a single day. I've seen it firsthand growing up in the Metro Detroit area and seeing you at high school and seeing you at Friendship Circle. You are able to connect with every single person that I've seen you come in contact with and to on such a deeper level where you genuinely care. And I think that's something that we've lost, right? I think we've lost that along the way. And that's why you're one of those golden gems that people need to hold on to forever. But on the other hand, I also think that when we talk about leadership and we talk about leading by example and mental health and all these things that we've encompassed into this conversation, I think it's important to understand that in a few years, we may start to see more change and more, whether it's your parent, whether it's your guardian, being able to have that conversation with 
their child, their niece, their nephew, the person that they watch over, love, and care for. Because I think that we are, sadly, weaning out of a generation where that was not talked about, the sort of don't ask, don't tell mentality about your mental health, where you know there was no such thing as mental health days. It was work, 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 and forget about the rest. But I do think there's some part of that that's important where we do maintain that hard work and we don't just blame everything on mental health because there are some people that have access to resources to help themselves, but they can't get there. They need that extra push. They need that extra push from someone else from within. They need to get to that standpoint. But where I'm going with all of this is from your perspective, Do you think that you've seen a change within households since you've started this teen organization in the Metro Detroit area that you're able to connect with those maybe suffering or those that want to help out? Have you seen a change in the rhetoric of how we interact with those individuals that do need someone to talk to? Is it more, I don't want to say easy, but is it more common for that to happen and not so much just in the closet? First of all, thank you for all of those leadership compliments. I hope I can live up to them. And I'm sure, you know, the way you mentioned it, that's a great definition of a leader that I would like to try to be. It's interesting to go before into your question. I read a great article about the number one sports coach. And it argued that if you look at teams that win games, they're not supposed to. So every team has their talent and every team has their framework going into a season that they're expected to win across any sport there's like one team that wins more games than they're supposed to consistently and that's the spurs under coach popovich and there was this whole article about like what gets him to get so much out of his players and it says that he tells it to them exactly how it is but they know that he loves them like they know that he cares about them and he has their best interest in mind and it goes through a variety of ways of explaining how he does that but you think about that and it's like it's not just giving the mental health day. It's not just about giving the space. It's not just about, you know, being able to talk about these things because ultimately we are seeing more of all of that. You know, the increased amount of people using a therapist, the increased amount of people going to the hospital for safety, going to residential or rehab for some time, taking a break, so to speak, from life. But the question becomes is, how do we change life so that people don't need to be taking so many breaks from it? How do we step into the system that's not working and make it work? And I think part of that is it's not necessarily lessening the standard or or lessening the amount of output or the expectations. It's foundationing it differently where people know that we really do care about them. And that's why we're demanding these things from them. Yarden, doing what you do and being who you are, if you could change one thing about the teenage society in today's world that you would think would make the world of a difference, what would that change be? It's a great question that I ask myself so often, not because I could do it, just because, you know, what's the one change? And I was talking to a group of teens this morning and the question is, do we just kick them all off of social media? They're all on there because they feel like they can't miss something, but how many of them are really enjoying that experience? And with all the articles that are coming out about social media's framework of increasing depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, self-worth, et cetera? Or is it that we add emotional education into the schooling framework? Like on the one hand, I would love to mandate that middle school 
teaches cognitive behavioral therapy and high school introduces dialectical behavioral therapy into their curriculums and just mandates everyone going through it? Or is it some other framework of creating dialogue or support groups at schools so that they start working through relationship, challenge, feelings, and emotions so that we produce whole person? You know, it's such a great question. It's such a complex question. What we know right now is the numbers aren't working. Like it's not producing what we want. I agree with you. And I, to be honest, I was going to be pretty wowed and shocked if you did have an answer for that question. I sort of threw that at you to see what the best of the best, aka Yarden, can come up with. But no, to be honest, joking aside, I think that if there is one person that can change society for the best, for mental health, for mental awareness, for healthiness, for a happy life, it is you, Yarden. And this is my podcast where I'll swear on it, even though I don't usually swear around you. But no bullshit. I think that you are someone, a leader that people respect, people look up to, you can make that difference. But I want to play devil's advocate for a second and go back to what you said about social media, because when we look at where society is going, and I'm one of those that's on the fence, are we really going to go into this quote unquote metaverse where meetings like Bill Gates, I read something yesterday, he said meetings in three years are going to be in the metaverse. People are buying NFTs for hundreds of thousands of dollars to put inside their virtual homes to hang on their virtual walls. If this is really where society is going, and this really is the future with cryptocurrency, then I think that we need to be looking at this mental health health topic for teenagers and for everyone in a frame where, okay, we see that the social media, the technology, the online interaction that is real, but is essentially fake because it's not actually deep. It's not actually intellectual. It's you reacting to someone's story with an emoji that has a hundred or an emoji that has a hard eyes. There's no real face-to-face, handshake-to-handshake, fist-bump-to-fist-bump in a COVID world interaction anymore as much as there was. So if we really are heading in this direction of Yarden in five years would be doing this interview with a VR headset on and he's sitting in my living room or my office virtually, we need to change the discussion and change the motive and change the fuel or the GPS to go in a direction towards, okay, let's put this education into a way that it's really going to get to them, whether that is creating maybe a, a mental health social network, whether that is creating many Facebook groups that are focused on just sharing your thoughts for the day, which there may already be all of these things, right? I'm sort of just going off the top of my head and what comes to mind, but do you see a future where we can teach the importance of mental health, teach the importance of having someone to talk to, teach the importance that you're never alone in a way that can be done online through a social media platform? Or do you think that's just virtually, no pun intended, impossible? (laughs) I like that one. So let's take that a step back. In no way are we saying that we should move away from technology as the world's clearly heading in that direction. And there's lots of positivity within the technological advances. But then the other question to ask is, is social media a tool? Or are there certain parts of social media where we're being taken advantage of without our knowledge? And like, there's a lot of study that's coming out that, for example, when we purchase a phone, is the phone the product and we're the customer? Or really, are we the product that's being sold to an advertising agency because the phone companies are telling the advertising agencies that we can get that person to check their phone once every three minutes or once every Instagram at one point claimed once every six minutes. And 
The question becomes, is that really helping us? And the way they release endorphins in the brain and the way that they're getting dopamine going and the addictive processes that they're trying to institute, maybe there's either, like you said, an educational framework that needs to be going in school about how to use a phone, or maybe there needs to be an age restriction like there are for other things. Like we don't let our youth drink alcohol. We don't let our youth drive cars and we wait till they hit a certain age. And then we, for alcohol, we say it's a family framework that hopefully will educate them. Either we have to remove all restrictions and say that it's not working for the other things either. Or we have to say, maybe there's something we can do to educate someone as they step into this tool that could be life empowering and could also create life ending situations. Yeah. And I want to pull out something that you said in the first part of what you just talked about, where you see a lot of benefit in technology. And the point wasn't to shift into an anti-tech, anti-social media conversation. But in all honesty, Yarden, and you know me, I'm a pretty upfront and transparent person. Maybe it's because I'm an old soul, but I can't grasp the idea, nor do I like the idea, or nor, and I know this is a bad thing to say, nor am I really open to the idea of living my life in a virtual world. I like a tangible object. I like to physically be sitting in my chair, having a physical microphone in front of me. I would have liked to physically done this interview in front of you, but I'm thankful that technology is there to bridge the gap and that you're able to have your own equipment in front of you and we're able to have AirPods that are wirelessly able to connect to our phone. I'm thankful for all those things, but personally, Maverick's opinion is... I do believe that those things have strongly contributed to more societal issues, whether that is the FOMO, fear of missing out, whether that is you feel like you're going to miss something on social media if you don't see it right away or you don't give an instant like, an instant comment. But I do fall victim to it. And that's where I think like I have this discrepancy in my head and probably others do as well, where that society now, that's the way people interact. Think about this, Yarden, because I'm sort of going to put my girlfriend in the spotlight. So if you listen to this, listen, I love you, but you know, it's all free game on the podcast and I can talk about certain things that I know you would be okay with. But we recently moved down to Florida and she didn't have many friends in the beginning in Florida, but you think about 30 years ago or even 20 years ago, how were people meeting each other in a new place when you just moved? And I know you moved from somewhere to Michigan and you probably made friends through your work relationships, but nowadays people are making their friendships and their relationships through social media or through Bumble or whatever the one is that they have the friend searching on it. People aren't going through a walk in the park or since I'm in Florida and live across from the beach, aren't going and walking on the beach and meeting people anymore, but I do. So when she moved down here and she's you know trying to make friends, she's making them through social media platforms, which is very interesting, right? Because we go back to, it's not an actual intellectual relationship and it's not real, but it turns into something real. So going back to what I said in the beginning of, I'm not one to like it, I'm not one to like it because I think it creates more problems in society, especially with the topic we're talking about, which is mental health, especially in children, because they're seeing older people on social media that seem to be living this perfect life, but are battling something deep behind the scenes if they are. And so you have teenagers comparing themselves to this person, comparing themselves to that person. And you, and I'm sure there are a few other people, a handful of other people, but it's not 
being so talked about around the country. In Metro Detroit, because of Yard and some others, it was very heavily talked about. But in other parts of the country, I don't think it's talked about, especially in rural areas. So I think with that being said, there's definitely the pros and cons of social media, but it goes down to, you know, I just wanted to throw out there that I think a lot of these societal issues do stem from the online presence that is so heavily infiltrated with teenagers at a young age. And so with that, I'd ask you, and I'll sort of put you on the spot with this one since I know you, if you could take away social media from age range to, you know, age range, like you said, at 16 or, you know, at 18 or 21, you're allowed to do certain things. Would you, if you could, take away that ability to not have them on social media and have face-to-face interaction? Or would you leave it as is and try and still continue life as on and just combat these problems? You know, you bring up so many great points in that discussion component of, you know, all the different things, the pluses and the minuses and everything it's doing. I would definitely create age framework to when someone even has access to group chats and group settings, because at a certain framework, there's a lot of things going on inside a person that externally we're not aware of. And I can give you a couple of those examples, but ultimately it's rewiring the person. For example, groupthink. Groupthink is 100% happening within our youth because they're all in group chats. They're all taking in information in a variety of ways before they define themselves. And as they define themselves, these things can be empowering. They can help them, but there's no self-definition. There's no self-expression. I read one article where it says that teens are defined by two things. They like to act out and they like to conform. And that happens in such a deep way that it happens even subconsciously where they're not aware of it. And one example given is that there's actually two forms of sweat, sweating from working out and sweating from fear. And while most people can't tell the difference in smell between the two sweats, if you smell someone sweating from fear, there's a low level of fear response that goes off inside of you. And the same thing happens in an emotional framework within teens, that if one teen is experiencing an emotional challenge, the teens around them without being aware of it pick up on it. And then they try to conform because that's what teens try to do. So that's one of the reasons why when we see within a group, one person picking up alcohol, that group usually tends towards alcohol or an eating disorder or self-harm or other such things because they're trying to conform around an acting out behavior, even if they're not aware of it. Yarden, you're so knowledgeable about these topics. And when you talk about these things, you very rarely stutter, you very rarely say, um, and I think that goes to show how educated you are and how passionate you are about these topics. And, you know, we're coming down to the end of the interview. And this is definitely a conversation that I want to continue on. This is season two of the podcast, I hope to have 100 seasons of the podcast. But I want to thank you for being a leader to me, for being a friend to me, for always being that person, no matter how much time has gone without us talking. I can always call you and we pick back up as if it was yesterday where I was coming to Friendship Circle every day and seeing you at FJA. And that was my high school for those of you that are wondering what that is. But 
I thank you for that. I thank you for being a community leader. I thank you for being a person that stands up and fights these problems head on because we need someone like a Yarden across the country and matter of fact, across the world to be the voice of change and be the reason of change. And you're sort of the fuel in the tank that's pushing it along. So I say, thank you. I salute you. I take my hat off to you. And you know, you're a great person inside and out. Anyone can vouch for that in the Metro Detroit area. Anyone that knows you would vouch for that as well. And that's all I can say, Yarden. You're an over-the-top person. You're a great person. And I feel lucky to have experienced my teenage years with someone like you, accessible to me. And as I grow older, accessible to me always because you're always there to help. You're always there to be someone's friend and be their support system when they need. And for that, I thank you, Yarden. But real quickly, I just want you to give out some contact information if you feel comfortable doing so, whether that's just an email or a website that someone can go to just so someone can get to learn more about what we were talking about and maybe try and contact you if they feel that they want to or that they need to. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I appreciate the opportunity of being here and the feelings are for sure mutual. And I'm looking forward to making 10 years feel like a short time in this relationship. My email is Yarden, that's Y-A-R-D-E-N at friendshipcircle.org. And then the website, friendshipcircle.org. That's the website. And you can find me there and all these different programs that we mentioned and spoke about. We try to get back to people as quickly as possible. And like you mentioned, reaching out is the greatest bother is those who don't reach out. Please reach out, please ask. Whether it's for yourself or someone else or whether it's about how to get involved, it takes a community to support a community and get involved. Yard, and you know, I always end every single podcast episode when I have a guest on with this question. And that question is, what do you wish you knew when you were in your early 20s? That is a great question. I think that uh, nothing is permanent and things will continue to change. Listen to that. Nothing is permanent and things will continue to change. And that is very true. I'm an OCD person. I always hate change, but sometimes change is for the best. And you always have to be changing in order to be on top and to be a leader. So Yarden signing off for now, but definitely, definitely want you to come back on and continue this discussion with me. Like I said, I feel very fortunate to have you in my life, but thank you for coming on the best of the best podcast. You are a true leader. So thank you, Yarden. Thank you. I'll say it a hundred times, Yarden is the true definition of a leader. He leads by example. He helps others every single day become a better version of themselves. And if you know anything, and if you've listened to season one, which you should, I talk about leadership all the time. I talk about what it means to be a leader, why you should be a leader in everything you do from your workplace to your community, to whatever environment you're in, even in the silly gym, be a leader there. If you see someone doing something wrong that it's gonna injure them, go over and help them out. But nonetheless, mental health is definitely a topic, especially at the teenage level that needs to be talked about, needs to be brought to the table for discussion for adults, I think, to figure out what they can do, what their part is in helping this situation out and helping these teenagers out. It feels weird to say teenager and kid. I still, for some reason, feel like I'm 18 years old or 19 years old, but nonetheless, 
thank you everyone for listening to another episode thank you for tuning in to season two of the podcast i always feel grateful i'm able to do this and i really appreciate you all and if you love the show and if you love me please make sure you tell a friend family co-worker you tell the random person walking on the side of the street as i always used to say subscribe and listen to the best of the best maverick's guide to success a new episode comes out every single wednesday actually now i'm sorry force of habit it's every other wednesday now at 6 p.m eastern time so make sure you're tuned in you're listening and i appreciate you all so that's it for this episode of the best of the best maverick's guide to success thank you everyone